Hey guys and welcome to Reclaiming Filipino Identity. Today on episode 13, I have with you a really close friend of mine, Mika Quintanita, and I'm so fortunate to have her guest on this podcast because hearing her story about her Filipino identity really um, gave me a lot of understanding into who she is, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear her. So without further ado, I welcome you guys, Mika. So for everyone who is listening, my name is Mika. I I am full Filipino. My parents immigrated to the States in the early 90s. Um, I used to live in Hawaii. I was there for 11 years. Um, I moved to Washington about four years ago. So I am sort of in the Seattle area. I'm currently a grad student. Um, I'm getting a degree in couples and family therapy and I'm in um, I'm interning as well so I see clients in like a therapy setting yeah that's sort of like the gist of it I used to be much more connected with like the Filipino culture when I was still living in Hawaii and when I was still living back home with my family but now I live with my older brother and his wife and we don't really engage in our culture as much uh, which is kind of sad. To Gal- well, I, I quote-unquote speak Tagalog. I understand it pretty fl- fluently, but I sound super Americanized when I speak it, so I try not to. I know you mentioned, Pyre, before we started that um, where you are in Washington has been a culture shock to you since it's predominantly white people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, could you a little bit explain about that? Sure. Um, so, yeah, in Washington, or even... Um, I guess even before I lived in Hawaii, uh, sorry, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. So like I said, like I said earlier, my parents immigrated from the Philippines in the nineties. And so growing up, I was always really, really immersed in the Filipino culture, regardless of where we lived. So, um, I lived in Maryland for a little bit in my childhood and Maryland in the late 90s early 2000s is also predominantly white um but we were part of like the community's philam um, association so and all of my parents friends were filipinos so i engaged mostly with filipinos outside of school and um, i was living in japan same thing we lived in an area that was predominantly white people because military family but we were part of the philam culture or philam community on the base so again most of the people i associated with outside of school were filipino and so we did like the sanayon where we did like cultural performances once a year we did that like for three years and so i was really immersed in the culture that way and then obviously i lived in hawaii for 11 years and pretty much everyone I associated with except for like one or two people were were at least part Filipino. So that was like my norm. And then I moved to Washington um, back in 2016. And um, I don't think I really met anyone who was Filipino or like out with anyone who was Filipino until maybe last year. <laughs> like last fall and not to say it's because we don't have filipinos here because we do um there are areas where there are a lot of a lot more filipino families generally down south of seattle there's an area that has a lot of philippine filipino people my parents area they live kind of an hour away from me and they also have a lot of filipino people in their area but uh just yeah in my own social circle i don't think i really met anyone who was Filipino until about last year. Yeah. And just like coming to Washington and being like one of two Filipino people in my group of friends, the other one being my older brother. It's interesting just because that was definitely the exact opposite of what I was used to. And I started to work at a preschool where basically everyone I worked with was white except for like two people. And just there was definitely a cultural difference. Like pressure and this is sort of like my own stuff that like I have to deal with but there was this sort of pressure of being the model minority that Asians are so commonly held to that was really challenging for me because like 
I was new to my job. It was in a field that I wasn't really used to working in. And there was just this constant pressure of trying to justify like the things that I did or didn't do to a white family uh, because the school I worked for is a small private family run business. Um, Just a white family who I don't really think some which like had its own issues Um, and since starting my program and like going through the program of couples and family therapy we have to do a lot of self of the therapist work where we examine our culture of origin our religion of origin our family of origin and any of those issues and topics that might come up that we need to process ourselves so that we can help clients do the same thing um and just not letting our own shit um yeah just like making sure that we deal with our own like origin stuff so that it doesn't impact the work that we do with our clients so i've been doing a lot of digging with my own personal relationship with being filipino and being raised catholic but sort of transition figuring out who i am and all of that um was definitely like a big roller coaster that i had to embark on prior to starting my internship in september and just trying to make peace with sort of the internal conflicts that came in that process yeah that's totally understandable prior to the previous interviews that i had the concept of model minority when it comes to living in others place other than Hawaii you really get the sense of um you're kind of judged in a way yeah um have you I know that you mentioned it kind of briefly but have you ever um been personally like attacked when it comes to model minority in the setting that you are in I wouldn't say attacked although there is a very particular story Mm. from when I first when I was working at the preschool. I used to work at a preschool. I no longer work there because I'm interning, but I started working at that preschool in 2016. And like I said, it's run by a white family of the like 15 people I worked with over the course of those three years. Only, I want to say like three, two, three of them were people of color and I was the only Filipino. And like I'm maybe a month into me working there. So this is like end of 2016. I don't remember what I did or what I said. It might've been like this day that I brought sushi to work for lunch um, or something like that. I don't know, I did something, it was considered weird and my white coworker just like looked at me funny and asked me a question about it. And I just gave her whatever the answer was. And she was like, oh, okay. I was just wondering if that was something that your people did. And um. I, I, I had to try really hard not to snap at her because mm-hmm. she was one of the people who worked in like the administration. And like, I was, I was so blindsided by it because this was a, only a few months after I had moved from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time that like I really had to start dealing with like someone else's ignorance about what my culture um, and also her not even recognizing what what my culture was like I don't think at that point she knew that I was Filipino I think she had still been assuming that I was Mexican because everyone mm. in Washington if you're brown you're most likely going to be um assumed to be Mexican or Indian because those are like the two most common at least in Seattle area that mm-hmm. I've seen um, and also like my name kind of looks Mexican too so there is that mm-hmm. but yeah so there was that and I had to try very very hard to hold my tongue because she was a higher up in the administrative department and um, I was very very new to my job And so there was also that pressure of like being very, very well behaved. Um, And I doubt this girl even remembers that this happened. Like it was, it was like three and a half years ago. She didn't know me very well. Um, But like, I think about it constantly, (laughs) which like, 
infuriates me the, the more that I think about it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, yes, like another instance, again, it wasn't really an attack. It was more just like, like a judgment of my culture. Um, and it's like, once again, it was related to food. I don't know why, but um, I had brought like leftover, I don't even know what it was. It might've been curry, which I know wasn't even Filipino, but it was like Japanese curry. So it had a very distinct like Asian food smell that like white people, at least the ones that I worked with at the preschool were not super familiar with. And so I brought it and I microwaved it and like I was eating, I was taking my lunch break and I was eating and my, the same coworker who had made mm -hmm. the, the comment, um, she was like, oh, Mika, there's leftover lunch. Um, if you want, like there's extra lunch in the kitchen if you want some. And I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I brought my own home lunch. You can offer it to someone else because uh, this should be enough for me because I had packed a lot. And there was like the split second of her just looking at my curry and giving me the most judgy face. And then she had to like pull herself out of that to be like, oh, okay, well, if you still want food after that, you um, you can go ahead and get some. And like that, it wasn't even that I was angry. I was just like so amused by how uncomfortable she was because she couldn't like articulate why I don't even know if she knew that she made a face mm -hmm. which I think was like the funniest part and it just makes me wonder if like if people are aware of their judgments or if they're just like so disconnected from quote unquote outside races mm -hmm. that like they don't even recognize that this is a thing that they do constantly yeah it's like little things like that and then like I said um being in school and we talk about cultural differences and um, what it means to be a minoritized being uh, what it means to be part of a minoritized group and that's something that I try to be really vocal about because in my cohort there were a group of 15 I want to say so out of the 15 of us there are one, two, like five people of color there is a black woman um, two Mexicans, a Chinese girl, and me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and like everyone else is white. And so whenever we talk about culture, it almost feels like we're sort of dancing around the elephant in the room, which is that out of 15 people, only five people are people of color. Mm -hmm. um, and there, again, there's almost this expectation of, me being one of two Asian people in my cohort um, and also being the more vocal of the two Asian people in my cohort um, to be more outspoken about what it means to be a person of color pursuing higher education in a field that is predominantly white and male um, or white and female. So that's been interesting. Um, because we talk about culture, Seattle tries to do a really good job of um, bringing in diverse voices and making that part of the conversation. But I feel like I spend a lot of time um, trying to educate my classmates on what it means to try to balance the conflict between being of American culture, but also being part of a more um, collectivist culture like the Philippines um, or in the case of the other people in my cohort, uh, Chinese and Mexican, um, and trying to explain what it's like to hold that balance mm -hmm. and the challenges that come with that. Um, a very particular conversation that I had with uh, a couple of my classmates um, was this exact conversation about trying to hold that balance and how difficult it is and the conflict, like the internal conflict that comes mm -hmm. from that. Um, because I don't remember what the context was, but I had made a point about how 
you know, if you have a client who is colored and of a collectivist culture, you can't just tell them that these collectivist values or this collectivist mentality is what's causing their, um, like, individual, like, whatever their therapeutic issue is. You can't just tell them that, like, oh, you're having this issue because you can't separate yourself from your family or, like, um, you're copying the generational pattern that, like, your parents were exhibiting and things like that. You can't just tell a person of color that because our view of family and culture is very different from a westernized culture. Um, And I had to explain to them, like, you know, I want to be like a more individualized person. I want to be able to separate. um, Like, I want to be able to pursue my own well-being and my own uh, goals and aspirations. but not at the expense of losing my cultural peace and my family peace because those are so ingrained with who I am and asking me to just disregard those cultural values, those cultural expectations would be asking me to disregard who I am at my core. And Like, there were so many people in my class who didn't get that. And I remember leaving that that particular lecture so upset. And um, my best friend in that class is a Mexican male. And we were talking about it afterwards. Um, And, like, we just spent an hour talking, having this big conversation about, like, what it means to be raised American, but have ourselves rooted in a culture that is not Western and not focused on the individual. Um, So yeah, that's just been something that I've been having to explore Mm -hmm. um, since starting my program. um, And just like trying to be okay with picking and choosing what ideals and values I want to live my life by um, because sometimes it feels like picking the self and picking the individual can almost feel like a betrayal to my Filipino culture. Um, And like that, that disconnect can be so heart-wrenching for someone. And to have all of these people who had very good intentions and were trying very hard to be understanding. They just didn't get that. And it just blew my mind to see how different our worlds were um, because that's normal for me. Like I grew up around Filipinos, Filipinos, I grew up around um, people of color. And so to be surrounded by people who for the most part didn't understand that Um, almost made me want to stop talking about being Filipino and being raised Catholic, um, which is unfortunate because those are at the very core, like what has sort of created my identity now. Um, Yeah. First of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that. And um, with what you're doing, um, educating your classmate about your own cultural identity is so important and so crucial and I really thank you for that because uh, recently um, the last mental health workshop we were in um, they talked about how in their own social work cohort they were talking about when dealing with clients and um, they mentioned to be really culturally aware of their backgrounds and when you were bringing that up it just made me um remember that conversation that we um we had um with for that workshop and with what you're doing it's i feel like that can be um a start 
to where you are at now because it's so important especially within our community to know that those who are not familiar with our with a certain culture to be really um respective of what they believe in because sometimes when you're dealing with a client for example like they're not comfortable with religion and if you don't if you don't put it in your um head that they're not comfortable with this so you shouldn't push your beliefs on them like the that kind of a thing and that kind of um came up when you were talking and it's so i guess when you mentioned that when you had your second friend and you guys had like similar views goes within the norm mexican and filipinos are like cousins they go through the similar it's so funny because it kind of stems from how Filipinos are the Latinos of Asia. Yeah, yeah. There I think there's also a book called The Latinos of Asia. Yes. Um I it, it's on my like to be read list. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to read it. But yeah. I it's a have a really good book. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I've been wanting to read it. Um we read I think it was sometime last year. I don't remember what class it was for i think it was like psycho spiritual lifespan development or something like that we had read like looking around my room to see if i still have shoot i don't think i have it anymore oh my Mm -hmm. gosh it's such a good book though um i don't remember i don't remember what it's called but it's basically a story about a man's um just like him immigrating to America as a child and being raised in the American culture um, and just about the struggles of like again trying to hold that balance between your cultural roots and your like modern day your modern day culture mm-hmm. and I just I remember like no one else in my not no one else like a, most of the people in my class didn't finish it or had sort of glanced through it but i again being the only filipino in that class devoured that book um in a couple of days and it was just incredible to read the story and be like i get that like i wasn't i didn't immigrate from the philippines um like i was born an american citizen i was born on a military base but the author talked a lot about um like just expectations between male and females and what our roles are in our families and in society and um just what it's like to grow up being the only filipino in this group of people at school and that's sort of where i am at since moving here mm-hmm. um And that's the other thing that was super frustrating for me when I first moved here and even like as I've gone through my program and sort of adjusted to my life here is um you know most people that I associate with now um that are people of color have grown up in this area so they're used to being surrounded mostly by white people mm-hmm. and sort of being the other um and being like the minority in their group and they've sort of like been used to that made their peace with that and sort of like adjusted accordingly um cuz they did that as children cuz that's mm-hmm. that's when it started that's when it was normal for them uh but for me that didn't happen until i was 21 like when i moved here mm-hmm. and it became more prominent when i started school so i was about 23 i believe when i started school um and so having to go through that as an adult when most people that i talked to at school went through it as a kid was so frustrating for me because i would go through these moments of just being so angry <laughs> and like confused about why isn't this person understanding um that like what they're saying is hurtful or what they're assuming is hurtful um and they're, like they're just not seeing it and like it's exhausting to like explain this to people and oh my goodness blah 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 um and 
the friend that I had mentioned earlier, the the Mexican male, was like, you know, this is sort of the norm. Like, this, like, yeah. It's just like a normal thing that we sort of just go through. And that used to frustrate me so much when I first started school, because I was like, that doesn't, like, I, I don't understand. Um, but, you know, like being, being part of a minoritized group in such an academic setting has also been a really big blessing mm -hmm. uh, because I get the chance to sort of help my classmates expand their knowledge and their comfort around having these conversations about the fact that, oh, you're, you're white um, and there are assumptions about who you are and I'm colored and there are assumptions about who I am mm -hmm. um, and sort of challenging them to step outside of those assumptions. So one of those examples, sorry, I talk about school a lot, mostly because like my life kind of revolves around me becoming mm -hmm. a therapist. So my life kind of revolves around school and my internship right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there, I was taking a class, um, I believe, uh, early last year, like spring of last year, I believe. Um, and it was just like, uh, couples and family therapy in a multicultural context or something like that. Um, and we had read these articles that talked about how it's really important to consider the cultural and religious and social background of all of your clients when you're providing therapy for them because the way that family therapists approach therapy is from a very systemic point of view where we consider all the factors of our client's background which mm -hmm. makes sense to me because, again, I'm Filipino, I grew up Catholic, and those are the two, like, define, well, and I'm, I was a military kid. So those are the three, like, defining points of who I am, and those cannot be ignored when it comes to, like, understanding who I am as an individual. Um, so having these conversations and my... Um, one of my classmates, an older white gentleman, had um, had been talking uh, talking about these articles, and I had responded with, um, I I think I was just like, I think it's really funny that we're reading all of these articles about how it's important to consider someone's cultural and religious and social background, um, as if that's not obvious. You know, like, if you're going to try to treat an individual and treat the whole system, of course you have to understand their culture, their religion, their social background, because that's where you're going to get their assumptions about who they are um, in their themselves and their family in the world. That's how you're going to come to understand why they think the way they do. And to disregard those crucial pieces is to disregard the person. Um, and who they are. And um, that was just, again, me in one of like my little contained rages of like, why are people not acknowledging the fact that these are important pieces? Um, and it was interesting because after that class, my older white male classmate came up, up to me and he was like, you know, Meek, I'm really glad that you said what you said in class today um, about how it's really important to consider all of these things because I don't normally consider someone's culture or their religious background um, when I'm talking to them and when I'm trying to understand their point of view. And I straight up told him, you know, I appreciate you telling me that, but that's also a reflection of your privilege as an older white gentleman you've never had to consider your cultural background and your um, religious background. He um, doesn't identify religious in any way. Um, he used to, he was raised in, I don't remember what specifically, but I know he was raised Christian and that was very much part of like his growing up. But yeah, just like as a white gentleman, he didn't really have to consider how he presents in the world 
because he's part of the majority. Um, and so I honestly felt really honored to be this like young adult colored female who got to call him out on his privilege and sort of help him become aware of what that privilege looks like. Um, Cause you know, a lot of times when we talk about privilege um, we talk about like the bigger, the bigger like obvious things like job opportunities, salary, um, just white people don't get racially profiled and all of those other things. Um, but you know, we don't, we don't always consider like the smaller, just the smaller pieces of that. Um, and so it's super frustrating to be the one to have to educate a lot of my friends, but it's also really rewarding um, to be a part of that change, um, especially in such an important field um, to just help people become more aware of these other cultures that they're not as familiar with. Um, yeah. Start with that, I think the book that you're mentioning was America is in the Heart by Carlos Bulosan. Sorry, what was that? You sort of cut off for a little bit, so I didn't hear what you just said. Oh, okay. No, I think the book that you were mentioning, was it America is in the Heart by Carlos Bulosan? I don't think so. Um, I'm going to look it up, and I will, if I, if I find it later, I will text it to you. Okay. Um, because it kind of was similar when I was reading. I was like, wait, that kind of looks the same, but yeah. yeah. But um, where do I go? Where do I start? Um, you mentioned a lot of great things, especially, um, I guess, at the end of the day, we can say that when it comes to like what you just said, um, Filipinos in general are very, um, very not, not not underrepresented when it comes to certain things and it's primarily because we're like the only race that can be associated with being Asians or Pacific Islander or with Mexicans we don't have our own group like we are just thumb straight in the middle what are we and something that you mentioned, and I want to share this quote because I feel like it's so it's so um, relating. Is that um, when I heal, I heal my ancestors. When I heal, I heal those who are yet to come. And this statement itself, or quote itself, kind of defined the definition that our ancestors has been going through so much, and some are still being healed. But I feel like the more that we continue this dialogue in trying to understand that in order to redefine our culture, our identity, we have to be able to reclaim it and to strongly say that I reclaim myself in the Filipino identity. And with that, I want to to do something to help those come before me and to really um, educate those that we are more than what people stereotype us as because we are the, I can assumingly say that we are the only race that people kind of make fun of because we're, you can see all around that when you, when you look at TikTok, Instagram, the first thing you see is people kind of laughing and about our, ourselves like on TikTok there's a lot of Filipino um, stereotypes and stigmas and we laugh on it because it's true Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I feel like that also goes into the conversation about like just assumptions and yeah just assumptions that people make about the Filipino culture Um, because a lot of like what people know is sort of what you were touching on is um, stereotypes. So um, they're like, not all stereotypes are bad, you know, 
like it's great when people assume that because I'm Filipino that I can sing or dance. And I'm like, no, my dude, I can't do either of those things. I have two left feet and I can like barely hold a tune, but thanks for believing in me. Um, But yeah, there's also just like, it's almost like we fail as Filipinos if we don't abide by those stereotypes. And that's just like a whole other level of like, frustration um yeah and i know you can go on and on to it but when i have to ask you the question again for you what does it mean to reclaim our filipino identity for you for me um i think it's interesting because like if you had asked me this a few years ago i think i would have like a straight answer for you Um, but like, I honestly am still trying to figure that out for myself Mm -hmm. and where I'm at right now. Um, but I think part of it, part of reclaiming our Filipino identity is just not being afraid to speak up and to educate people who aren't as aware about, um, about our culture, um, Like I said, it can be really mentally and emotionally draining to have to do it. But a lot of times I think about, you know, um, a lot of my peers, I might be the only Filipino that they know. And um, I have peers who actually have Filipino clients. Um, And in my supervision class, we're able to talk about our clients and what they're going through and their cultural pieces. Um, And so I have classmates who ask me, you know, how do I approach this issue or this presenting problem, this system, while still being incredibly respectful of their Filipino culture Um, and I might not be the most connected to my culture, especially as of late, but I think being able to share what I have gathered from our culture and what I've gained from our culture, uh, and be able to share that with therapists who are trying their damnedest to serve people in our community is a big privilege, a big responsibility. And if I am not willing to do that, then, you know, that's, that's a shame because there's so much in our culture that is worth loving and sharing and being proud of, um, that I think gets overshadowed by a lot of stereotypes and assumptions about who we are as people. Thank you. And I think where you are right now as a, um, I'm still in school, I'm still interning. Um, I feel like the position that you are in right now is very crucial because um, as full Filipino, as second gen, as someone who is a military kid that is able to have that um, broad view experience, you can kind of see the different parts of how Filipinos are, especially because you coming from Hawaii, like Hawaii itself, like you can see the connectedness and like when you hear about Filipino communities, like it's so strong. And you're 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 able to um, bring it out wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't realize until I moved here how much I took our culture for granted. Um, and I think part of that is just in Hawaii, it was all around me. Like I I couldn't avoid the Filipino culture even if I tried because I lived with my parents who. Um, immersed me in the language and in the culture um, 
Like, I remember watching GMA at the age of eight, like watching Pelisarius with my mom. Uh, and that's how I got so good at understanding conversational Tagalog um, and being able to pick it up as well as I do. Um, and like most of my friends were Filipino. Um, and so I was just surrounded by it. And then I moved here. And like I said, outside of my own family and like our family friends, um, who I don't really associate with, because um, those are more like, my, you know how Filipino parents are, like, yeah, they have friends, and so they expect you to be friends with their kids. But like, I see my parents, like once a month, which means I see these people even less. Um, yeah, outside of like my family, the first time I really had anyone in my life here in Washington, um, who was Filipino was last year, because I was dating a guy who is full Filipino and um, his parents were like very, just like very Filipino. Like his mom reminded me of my mom. And so I used to love going to his house mm -hmm. just to be surrounded by people whose language I understood, who just understood where I came from. Um, yeah, and it's like, weirdly enough, I miss hearing Tagalog, because it used to, and like, I'm, I'm a little better about it now, but there was a period of time, because yeah. you know, when you hear it enough, and you're surrounded by it all the time, like, you can hear Tagalog, but it'll still, like, oh, I don't know if this happens to you, but like, when I hear Tagalog, um, it, in my head, immediately translates as English, so like, hmm. half the time, I don't even know that I'm hearing Tagalog, like, does that happen to you? Maybe not Tagalog, but because I'm Ilocano. Oh, maybe yeah, the shoot, other I way around. That. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. But yeah, um, I kind of relate on that. Like, wherever I go, when I hear, like, in my workplace, because Ilocano is so predominantly here, yeah. I automatically was like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, like, it sort of just immediately translates with no effort. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a period of time, and, like, that's when I knew that I needed to like go back to hearing Tagalog, whether that means looking up old like GMA, TFC, Teleseries or whatever. Um, but there was a period of time where like um, I would hear Tagalog and it would take me a moment, not very long, like it would just take me a few seconds um, to translate what the people are saying. Um, so it used to be that, like, people could just talk Tagalog around me, and I would just immediately translate it. I wouldn't even be aware that they're speaking Tagalog because it was so natural for me to hear it. Um, but, yeah, I got to a point where, like, I would hear it, and I'd be like, oh, they're speaking Tagalog. And then, I, and then my brain would make the switch of, like, being able to translate what they were saying. And, like... I don't know why, but when that happened, when I became aware of that, I got so sad because I was like, oh, no, what if, like, does that mean I'm going to start losing my ability to understand Tagalog? Like, what, what is happening? This, this has never been a thing before. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, it's a weird thing to be aware of, to, like, hear the disconnect between mm -hmm. like where I am right now, just being able to like hear it mm -hmm. in the sense that I have to try a little bit harder mm -hmm. to stay connected and to understand what is happening. I'm a little bit better about it now. I think because yeah. like I talked to my parents more, I've, I've talked to my parents more in the last few months than I was like when I first moved here. Um, yeah. So, like, my parents still speak um, mostly Tagalog to me, um, and I'll still respond to them in English, because that's how it was when I was growing up, uh, and I sound, again, super Americanized when I speak Tagalog, so I get kind of, like, embarrassed about it. Um, but, yeah, now it's, like, it, now it's a little easier for me to just, like, immediately translate it. Um, but, yeah, I think now, especially now that I'm not living at home and I'm not surrounded by Filipinos. Um, like, I don't think I hear Tagalog unless I'm at my parents' house or talking to my parents. 
Um, now I just need to be a little more um, intentional about mm -hmm. um, staying connected with my roots, whatever that means. Um, and, you know, it's like constantly building that skill so that I don't lose it because um, it would be a shame if I lost it because, you know, it's great to be able to pull up to Filipino family parties and to know exactly what all the aunties and uncles are talking about when they think that I don't know, but I do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great skill to have and I don't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes hand in hand in how language really does um, play a big role in our identity. And um, I have a friend actually, he took um, this language course, but when I asked him, can you, can you try to speak for me? I was like, no, I can't. But, and he made a really good point that even though you can't, he can't really speak the language, um, he gained so much more um, information through it. So I guess that maybe kind of correlates to you in knowing Nika, because even if um, you may not have that certain, um, you, you don't really hear it as frequent as you used to, um, you're able to still have that knowledge that you have. And as the more that you are exposed to it, like the culture, you can have like that sense of embeddedment that you still do know the language. Yeah, yeah. And I'm hoping, um, I'm, like my goal um, is, I don't know why this is this is a goal, but uh, the the guy I was dating last year that's Filipino, no longer dating him, um, but it is relevant because you know that's the first like Filipino family that I've been really engaged with since moving here. Um, my current partner is Cambodian, and so he speaks Cambodian, which I think is super cool. Um, but my goal is to be able to teach him a little bit of Tagalog. Um, just so that if we ever like visit my family or not my not like my family in the Philippines but like if we were to ever visit my parents he could sort of pick up on things that they're talking about just because I think that'd be really cool for him to be able to do um, yeah I don't know just being in, in interracial um, relationship relationships are really interesting mm -hmm. um and i yeah but no it's like kind of new territory for me because i don't date that much in general and i haven't dated that many people who were not filipino so that's that's also interesting to be able to um to learn about someone else's culture and to also be um to be dating someone who is genuinely interested in learning about the things that make me who I am, which includes having been raised Filipino, like he's super interested in all the food, which is great because we have so much of it that I love to partake in. Um, and just, yeah, being able to share that with someone who's genuinely like super genuinely interested in learning about those parts of me. And it's that's the beauty of it. I think of whenever I whenever I see interracial relationship, like you guys, kind of give something to each other, like you exchange that culture. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's so many. Like, there's so many similarities anyway, mm -hmm. um, especially because he's also Asian. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's so, some, there's so many similarities anyway that if we could take those, that genuine curiosity um, and just finding those bridges and being able to connect with other people, not just, like, people that we genuinely um interact with on the daily like partners or friends or family members but just being able to find that bridge with other people like for me being able to find that bridge with my clients with my um, co-workers 
is a really great way to diminish that feeling of otherness um, that like I got a lot when I first moved here, um, which is great because a lot of my clients are not white. So I'm able to sort of connect with them on that level um, and to find those similarities so that it's less isolating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just want to say that I enjoy talking about this with you and it's a really nice um, to actually, because this is the, I think this is the first time that I talked to you about this. Yeah, we don't talk very, we haven't talked in a while. Like, I feel like, I feel like the last time we talked was maybe a year ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice to um, talk about um, just um, something aside from our, um, from our religious re belief. Um, I feel like it's so crucial to, like, have someone to talk about our own identity because I feel like it's it's part of what helps us understand who we are is when we find that individual who share the same culture as you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice to have people who understand like where are sort of like internal assumptions and expectations come from. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things I miss about uh, being in Hawaii. Like I love living in Washington and I love my life here. Um, but one of the things that I miss most about living in Hawaii is sort of being able to exist and do things and have assumptions and beliefs and not have someone struggle to understand why, like they just they just get it. Um, but that's also the beauty of like getting outside of our comfort zone and leaving home was um, having to interact with more people who are not of the same culture as me has one given me a better appreciation for the culture that I come from. Um, and it also challenges me to really get a good look at what is it that I do know about my culture and what is it that I, um, like what is it that I appreciate about our culture um, and how can I share those with other people um, in ways that like they can come to appreciate it too. I was gonna respond in Tagalog, but then I just I didn't wanna um, surprise you. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, it's okay. Like, I'll I got it. I mean, I I can almost guarantee that I will not <laughs> respond back in Tagalog. Um, but like, I'll understand what you're saying. Because mm. I was gonna say talaga. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> like that that I got. <laughs> But um, right now, um, that's all the questions that I have. And if you have anything last minute to share, um, feel free to. Um, I mean, none that I can think of except like PSA, if when this comes out, if y'all are still in a stay home order, please, please stay home. <laughs> stay home so that we can go back to our lives. Um, and so that we can go back to like enjoying our friends company and all of that good stuff that we're missing out on right now. Just, just stay home. And if you need to leave your house, please wear a mask. I see way too many people leaving their houses without masks and it's super frustrating. So yeah, that's about and it. And also like shout out to all of our essential workers that are working real hard to keep everyone safe and healthy. Yes, and in short, the first message of me, I'm going to translate, wag kayong maging sira ulo. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, basically. <laughs> Please. 
just like for the sake of yourselves and of everyone you love, just just be smart. Stay home. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as time is running out, um, I just want to say thank you again, Mika, for coming and sharing your story boldly to Reclaiming Philippine Identity. I really appreciate um, everything that you just said. And know that um, with everything, um, as we continue um, to, I hope that you continue to, to do what you're doing because you're doing amazing. Um, shout out to your classmates for having you as their guide to our cultural roots because you're doing amazing. And if anything, if you need a guide into um, getting back into the language, there is a podcast out about Tagalog, learning how to speak Tagalog again, and I can give that to you. Yes, please. I like I know it's in me somewhere. I just need to get back into it. Um, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. Yes, I found it actually recently, two weeks ago, and then I was just like, oh wow, this is, can be very helpful for for any of my Filipino friends that needs help learning Tagalog. But yeah, it's called Go Filipino, Let's Learn Tagalog by Chris Andres. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yes, and I hope you have a wonderful evening, I believe, or afternoon, because we're three hours <laughs> apart. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like... It's like 5.30 over here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mika. And I will let you know when this episode will come up, but it will be this week. I'm trying to finish (laughs) season one, and then next week will be season two. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for, you know, having this and um trying to get more people to share their story and I'm just super proud of like everything that you've been doing um like if if you told me how long ago did we meet hold up I met you like six <laughs> six years ago so it's been a while if you told me like it's been when a we, while yeah yeah like if you told me when we first met that you were gonna be um like a hosting your own podcast and just doing all the things that you've been doing like i believe that it's possible but i would also still be surprised because you were just like you're so shy and so quiet and yeah i'm just like super impressed and proud of all of your growth and you know just want to put that out there uh what you are doing is is amazing and it's been great being able to see that even if it's from like thousands of miles away so yeah if you can't see me I'm giving you a peace sign because I'm just like <laughs> just oh uh, thanks just, yeah but yeah <laughs> see, if I would like go back six years ago I actually wouldn't imagine myself having my own podcast talk show um but I think there's just been an inkling in me starting to say that I really want to do something for our community. And I think similar as you, um, as much as I want to run away from my culture, when you live in Hawaii, you can't really run away from it because it's going to keep yeah, going back it's like, to you. It's, it's everywhere. Like, you literally cannot avoid the Filipino culture in Hawaii. It's literally ingrained into the lifestyle there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, PSA for all young generation Filipino living in Hawaii, if you want to, if you're ashamed of your culture, don't be, embrace it. There's so much more to it. When you go out in your own ways, you're going to miss your culture. You're going to miss your culture a lot. So, like, five minutes after we ended the podcast, we had another conversation in regards to colonization and how Philippines and religion and I thought that I 
wanted to add this as a bonus part of the episode because it's so uh, crucial into our Filipino American culture. So. And it's going to come up if you're Filipino. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think it's it's especially, I guess not so this year because of COVID and all that stuff. But I mean, even during, especially so during the Easter season, like if you're in the Philippines, even if you're not Catholic, you're going to see practices of Catholicism because they're so intertwined with each other. I mean, like, I don't mind talking about my own separation from Catholicism. That's sort of been a thing that I've I've been becoming more open about. Yeah, it's just like, just figuring out fuels my fire, like builds up my spirit has been a really big part of that journey that I was talking about earlier in the recording. Just trying to make peace with that, um, especially like with my own family and with like my community back in Hawaii because literally everyone that I still talk to in Hawaii yeah. I knew through old page and trying to be okay with like my own disconnect with that yeah. community has been really interesting um but you know trying to be more authentic about who I am and how I show mm-hmm. up in the world um but I mean, even though I don't identify as Catholic anymore, I am still so incredibly grateful for the community that it gave me for as long as it has. Because I know that those people, even though I don't talk to like 90% of them, um, I talk, like honestly, of the people that I hung out with and like talked to in Old Page, I think now I maybe talk to like five of them. Yeah, just trying to like, be okay with that disconnect and know that our the love that we have for each other isn't limited by where I stand in my own faith and in my own belief. Yeah, and that's sort of something that I've had to to put a lot of work through over the last year. I go to therapy monthly. I used to mm-hmm. go weekly, um, but homegirl ain't got time for that anymore. So. Um, and yeah, like I think when I first started going to therapy about a year year ago, something like that, we did a lot of talking about um, just the cultural pieces and the religious piece and trying to bridge that disconnect in a way that feels safe and authentic for me. Um, but yeah, like that, that could be a whole other conversation. It is. Honestly... Yeah. I've been trying to also trying to find that bridging point because there's been multiple um, w- days that I feel like um, I cause like I meet different people that um, when I talk about like Filipino, there are some who are Catholic, there are some that are not, and then like it's so respected of that. But I really wanna understand um if we weren't colonized for religion like how would philippines be different and a lot of people say we would be muslim but i it's a it's a really another really great topic to like tackle in and i really appreciate this conversation because i i love learning about our our cultural and like trying to um see the different points of it because it's it's something yeah yeah and I mean like it's it's so interesting to try to think about oh what would be different about the Philippines if we weren't colonized by the Spaniards for um for as long as we were Mm -hmm. um and honestly I don't even know what would be the same (laughs) like we're so that's such a big part of that's such like a lot of what our culture is now comes from that um which i guess is also why catholicism is as ingrained into the filipino culture as it is Mm. um yeah i don't know it's interesting to think about like if if it were a different country that had colonized us for 
like 350 years, 400 years, um, like who we would be. So yeah, it's 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 a it's 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 interesting. But I, I there's so many books. I know you love to read, so like there's a lot of books I want to <laughs> recommend to you because I feel like it really help, especially with um with your schooling and with everything. Um, mm-hmm. I have a friend. Um, his name is Alfredo Liano, and he's he's actually writing his second book right now. But his first book is about like representation over pure visibility. Um, stories of Filipinx American in San Diego. Um, it's a really good book. Um, he interviews um, people in San Diego, um, but it's really relating even if you're not from San Diego, like their experiences. And I feel like that would be really helpful for your career, career, career itself. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll definitely look into that. Yeah. And yeah, he has an Instagram and he, also if you want to like, he posts a lot of, um, if you want to still kind of, if you want to look more into it, like he posts a lot. Okay. Yeah. And he'll be having his own podcast. Can you Thank you. And if you want to reach out and connect with Mika, I will link her Instagram below. And also, don't forget to follow me at Reclaiming Filipino Identity on Instagram. As always, agyamanak, salamat, and have a great week. Bye!